Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. I'm recording this intro while my baby's in bed and so my voice is a little bit subdued and I have got a little bit of a cold with all this coronavirus flying around. I'm starting to get a little bit paranoid but uh, hopefully it's not that. Anyway, um, today's guest is Micah Coppins. Uh, You'll remember Micah, she was one of the first cohort of guests we had on the VOX World Podcast in 2018. Then she was talking about internationalisation and trans-creation of voice experiences. Today, she's taken us through a voice design sprint. So you've probably read the book Sprint by Jake Knapp of Google, uh, and you might be familiar with the methodology, but Micah has pushed it and pulled it and and kind of moulded it in shape and made it fit for a voice first world. She takes us through her whole workshop template, shares with us all the exercises that she uses to go from zero to conversation designing hero, from nothing to a concept, a use case, a prototype, and essentially the beginnings of a voice strategy. And she gets into some real detail about how she takes people through that during this workshop. It's essentially a blueprint and a template for you to be able to run this workshop yourself. It's going to be absolutely epic. Quick shout out to Reed Speaker for sponsoring this episode of VUX World and all episodes of VUX World in February. If you're looking for a customized text-to-speech voice, then you should check out Reed Speaker. They are the pedigree company in the world for text-to-speech. They used to be, there used to be three separate companies, Voice Text from Japan, Voice Wear in Korea, and Neo Speech in the US. And they've all been put together under the one brand of Reed Speaker. So the people that work there have got some of the most exper- the most experienced people that you can find in the text-to-speech world, uh, all under one roof, all under Reed Speaker. They're making customised text-to-speech voices for some of the world's biggest brands. They've got over 10,000 customers. And even if you don't want your own customised text-to-speech voice, you can use their text-to-speech service to access over 90 high-quality text-to-speech voices in over 30 languages you should totally check them out they've got in-house experience in ai and deep neural networks and they are the people to speak to if you want your own customized branded text-to-speech voice that's readspeaker.com if you want to check them out the link is in the show notes and it's on the website readspeaker.com thank you readspeaker for sponsoring this episode of vux world now without further ado ladies and gentlemen this is micah coppins talking you through a design sprint for voice on vux world vux world vux world vux world vux world branding with the big faces i love listening to it Kane sims Kane sims Kane sims the one and only britain's finest mr Kane sims dustin 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 Coates. i like it when you guys are together and talking about boys now further ado welcome to the show micah welcome back to vux world well, hello, Kane. Great to be back. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you. Dustin, is Micah our second returning guest after Bob Stolzberg? Might be, yeah. We haven't had many returners, so the fact that you're back uh, speaks very highly of of you. So definitely everyone listening should continue uh, listening. Welcome back. 
Thank you so much, Dustin. That's a very nice and warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we spoke, we spoke a lot about transcreating, taking uh, like a, an experience from one language, transcreating it into another language. We had a really good discussion about, you know, diff- certain words don't exist in other cultures and certain personas are different in other cultures and all that kind of stuff. And we were just chatting there that that's, I still reference that podcast to people when they're asking about things like transcreation and stuff like that. Um, and at the time you were doing, I think you were doing some work or you'd just finished doing some work with LabWorks and you'd been kind of working. Yeah, on- I still was doing some lab with, uh, some work with LabWorks and I'm still um, in touch with Tom uh, Hewitson from LabWorks uh, a lot of the time because we, well, we kept kind of in touch and we're good friends. Um, but yeah, uh, the internationalization and transcreation bit is still something that needs a lot of work. Uh, we talked about it before, so we won't go into that um, now. But um, it is one of the bigger issues, one of the three things I keep on emphasizing about. And they're all quite intertwined in that um, we are trying to make this global experience, like this universal experience that fits for everyone uh, on voice, whether it's of a, from an internationalization point of view or an experience point of view. Uh, And we forget about the fact that voice is actually about conversations and that conversation by nature are really personal uh, in nature. Uh, And therefore one size fits all uh, isn't really, uh, in my opinion, the way to go. Um, So it's about internationalization, transcreation is making sure it's, it's good for a specific culture, um whereas you can also tailor the experience so that it fits certain situations, certain contexts, certain individual emotional states. Uh, and I, I find that is really, really important. So what have you been doing since then? Then, so since we last spoke, it was almost a year ago. I'm just trying to find out when the actual date was. July the, it was actually July twenty actually it was July twenty eighteen. Oh my God! Yeah. Five five. Wow, July 2018. So it's coming up two years, almost a year and a half yeah. or so. So, so what's been going on since then? I know we're going to get into this kind of voice design sprint methodology, but briefly, what's happened since then? Since we last spoke. Well, since we last spoke, uh, I've been working with a lot of agent digital agencies and also big brands. Uh, both in France and uh, in other countries um, as a voice consultant uh, and a voice UX designer. Uh, and what happened was, and this is why the voice design sprint, uh, the voice X design sprint was born, is that when I went into these companies or these agencies and we were starting to think about creating a voice experiences, Nine out of ten times, the team we were working with didn't really know what the challenges and opportunities for voice were. Uh, And so a lot of discussions and meetings were going on. um, And even when we kind of did standard known workshops around that, I found that team members had a really tough time. Uh, kind of really projecting into what this voice interaction would be, how it would um, improve their exist- their existing digital product, or like doing an, an entire new <clears throat> digital product on voice only. Uh, and so it was really 
kind of painful for everyone because everyone was like in this scary place. This was like such a scary challenge to kind of venture out into this new interface that is voice and and see where it would bring them. Um, so a lot of the questions I got was, okay, but what will be the ROI? Um, what will people be using it for? What success measures, would, how do we have to do? And another thing that happened a lot of the time, because this is a lot, a lot of the time marketed as an, um, artificial intelligence, which there is uh, in voice, but um, people kind of tend to forget the artificial part and only think about the intelligent part. And literally I had a person, uh, like a company I worked with that told me, okay, here's the data set so you can feed the machine and they, they did just thought of it as something that, that you feed and then magically it starts talking. Um, so, so basically, all of those elements made me think, okay, we need to kind of find a framework. I need to find a framework that does three things that educates people and teams on what voice is actually capable of doing, what the challenges are from a user experience point of view, Plus, then once we have that knowledge, once we have that understanding, uh, how we can make meaningful, um, a meaningful voice experience together. And last of all, how they can experiment and validate very quickly the idea they have, because it's a lot of the time innovation departments that kind of start um, with these projects. And so the speed, the team alignment, and the education were really the three elements um, that had me looking towards the design sprint by Jay Knapp um, from Google, because that's really also three elements that he kind of designed into that framework. Uh, and then I thought, okay, well, now I need to take this framework and I need to make it about voice. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the things I kind of, the elements that I kind of felt were lacking were, were the educational bits. And so I started thinking about serious games. Because serious games do three things. They educate people for one. For two, they help people really incorporate an experience rather than just reading or thinking about it. So they're real eye-openers. So what's, what's a, what is a serious game? Basically, a serious game is uh, a game you play in a workshop. It's like an exercise where you actually do things uh, in a playful way, but it is uh, with, with a purpose to learn something. So you, you don't ju you don't just uh, pause the session for a while and whip out the box of Jenga or something. No, no, no. How, however, that would be so cool. That would be good. That would be good. <laughs> so it's an ex it's an exercise with where you're expecting an outcome essentially. Exactly. It's an example that I always use is the serious game I designed called uh, speech dating. Uh, it's like speed dating only for voice. So what happens is uh, there's one side of the room. Uh, that has to find out things about the other side of the room. So people are face-to-face. -face. Uh, and so they have to find out, for example, their names, what they did last weekend, what the holiday plans are. That's kind of the three questions I usually go with. 
And the other side, the responders, those, those who have to give their replies, they have cards. And on these cards, there's instructions. And these instructions are constraints. And these are things, these constraints are formed from what can happen with human-machine interactions, what can go wrong. For example, someone can have a card, whatever you do, don't say a thing. Or whatever you do, say, I'm sorry, I don't know that one. And so basically what this exercise does is it helps people realize, one, that it's not easy to have a conversation. <laughs> Two, uh, the different um, states in which a smart speaker can be and can reply and how frustrating that can be when he doesn't give you a response that's expected. Um, so, and uh, they really incorporate the fact that it's frustrating because the entire voices in design sprint as I designed it is about incorporating the user as much as possible and feeling as much as possible what he feels. So um, the very first step in the voice design sprint is all about understanding voice technology, understanding the business, of course, because that's really important. And I emphasize this because a lot of the time when we think about workshops, and I see this a lot with companies, um, they think about design thinking, they're starting to get like used to the idea of design thinking, but still it's, it's not the same language. It don't, it's not the same language. So it's very, and for me, it was very important to make sure that there was a bit that was all about understanding the business and their needs because they also need to feel that those are addressed. Hmm. And it's about finding the sweet spot between what's important to the business and what's uh, important to the users. And so all these games are really in the first step, the understanding step, they are about incorporating the user so that you can really feel what he's feeling. Uh, and uh, there's also a lot of user research that's being presented. So basically, uh, when after this speech dating, what happens is I always tell people, okay, we've done some user research around your brand, uh, around your specific challenge that we want to address today, so around the use case we talked about in the prep or, like in the preparation uh, um, talks. Um, so now and then, uh, then there's some research being presented and then I tell them, okay, now you understood like with your head everything there is to know about the user because we did this user research, we presented it to you. Now we're going to do an exercise. It's an exercise that's actually called Walk the Walk. Just before, just before we, just before we get onto yeah. the walk, the walk. I just want to circle back just to the speech dating one again, yeah. just to, just to clarify um, for anyone who who wants to try that themselves or who, who <clears throat> excuse me, for anyone who is running workshops themselves wants to kind of include this uh, uh, maybe as part of it. The aim of that then is to have the room and the people in the room experience the kind of frustration that users can sometimes feel if the, if the system doesn't recognize them properly in order so that they can what? In, so in, in order so that they can then when we move into the next step, which will be all about designing the conversation, remember to design for all of those error cases that can happen. Okay. 
I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you're building empathy, you're putting them in a position of an end user, you're facing a couple of the kind of challenges that you might kind of come up against if the, if the, if the system doesn't recognise you. And the aim is that you're raising awareness about how frustrating it can be if the design of something isn't quite right. And therefore, the focus for the rest of the workshop is this is why it's so important to get the design right. Is that right? Exactly that. Fantastic. Cool. And what's the reaction that people have when you do that little exercise with them? Um, well, there's there's two reactions. There are three, actually. So the first reaction is they they kind of feel it's odd. And they like in the very beginning, they look at each other like, okay, oh, my God, what she like? Oh, wow. Well, what did we get ourselves into here? <laughs> I'm um, assuming the other person who's playing the the person who's playing the user isn't aware that the person who is playing the bot has a set of instructions to follow. Is it like a surprise? Is that the whole kind of gist is that they don't realise how they're going to be oh, responding yeah, to yes. Yeah, they do realise because they're face-to-face, so they don't totally know what, what's going on. The only thing is they don't know what kind of instruction the other person has on their card. Right, I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, and so basically um, I would say that the instructions are kind of in, in um, infringements on Grice's maxims. And it's also then a good um, like uh, starting point when you talk about voice design and voice best practices and how it really works and how human-machine communication works. That gives you then like a jumping point to say, okay, see what went wrong here? Well, that is because this is what is expected in a conversation between humans and and so on and so forth. So it's also a good learning point, but it's also about learning how human communication and conversation is supposed to work and what we are expecting uh, as a user to happen. So, so it's it's kind of it's kind of three three goals basically. The first one is learning about uh, what the challenges are in human computer interaction, learning uh, also about um, like voice heuristics at the same time, which they then will use in the design uh, bit uh, of the voice design sprint. And then third uh, is to also incorporate the user again to inform all the design decisions that we'll be taking uh, in the next steps of the framework. Okay, cool. Okay, then. And then you mentioned that you then kind of move on once you've kind of set the scene and you've done the kind of like the uh, this first exercise to, to develop empathy for the users, to raise awareness about the important of importance of things like the cooperative principle and, and, and having the design uh, strong. You then mentioned that you move into trying to understand the business needs and then you were just about to go into the, the next phase. Yeah, so basically understanding the business needs is all, uh, all about kind of explaining what the possible ROI can be other than monetary. Um, so, and about setting uh, realistic, uh, transversal and human KPIs. Um, so so that's, um, I, I would say that's a, a bit less fun, <laughs> but still very necessary when you kind of, build up towards having a voice experience that's right for everyone. So basically, the speech dating is all, uh, is about understanding cooperative principle, voice technology, all of that. Then we move into understanding the business with the KPIs, the ROI, 
explaining about what voice can bring to your business. And then we go deeper into understanding the user with this walk the walk exercise I was going to tell you about. Um, and so the walk the walk exercise is all about incorporating a user in a given uh, problem, like in a given challenge. For example, I recently did a voice um, sprint challenge uh, and the challenge was how might we um, help um, couch potatoes to take up a regular sports activity through voice. Uh, and so in, in that particular case, the walk the walk exercise was about incorporating the couch potato. And so it's really funny because people were like doing role play and like laying around. It's not about finding solutions, it's about really understanding what's going on, in what situation a person can be, in what mindset, what emotions that can be going around when he is being a couch potato. And so uh, it's always great to see people going totally out of their comfort zone when it comes to uh, incorporating uh, users. Uh, and so, yes, they were just lying around <laughs> like and using props from the room and really being your typical couch potato with for one, one of the scenes was uh, someone laying around watching TV and then his uh, wife came in and, and said, oh, my God, you should totally take up some force because you're getting really fat. So anyway, it's, it, it's always really eye-opening to participants when they have to kind of role-play the user without already fetching for the solution or what would a voice app at this point say. It's really um, about feeling what they're feeling and trying to find the motivation and the nudges to make them then use the voice app that we're thinking about to change that behavior uh, and and to kind of make sure that uh, it is something they would like to interact with. Okay. You mentioned a lot of role-playing. What exactly are the steps? What exactly do people do in a walk-the-walk exercise? So basically in a walk-the-walk exercise, what happens is uh, they first think, uh, based on the user research that we presented in the very beginning um, of, the, of the sprint, um, so basically what then happens is that we give them a lot of information about users, about the research we did, about their motivations, their pain points, and so they have all this information now at already. And so basically what they then do, they decide upon who they think would be a user in that situation. So they think about a user in a situation and things that he might be feeling, thinking about, or saying. And then it's, they usually, look, for this exercise, they usually work in groups of four people, and then they kind of, first of all, decide on what scenario they're going to play. Uh, I always tell them it's about playing a scenario. It's not about telling me what user you found. Like, no, it's not about saying, okay, so we have this user, he's 40 years old, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's not about describing a persona. It's about living a situation. Okay. And so, uh, and so when they've decided, they have about five minutes to kind of decide, uh, because in a voice design sprint, everything is like timed, time-framed. <laughs> 
because time framing help creativity constraints help create helps creativity uh, spark creativity basically uh, and so um, what then happens is they do this role play this kind of mini theater in front of the rest of the group uh, and that also helps the rest of the group then have ideas around okay i'm seeing for example this couch potato uh, that and his wife says he's becoming fat um well perhaps that now i have an idea because the brainstorming then about voice apps starts it's okay now i have an idea about um for example the research says that people start taking up sports when their spouse starts telling them they're not attractive anymore so Perhaps then I might have an idea that goes, make a voice app that tells people that they're not attractive, which would kind of be rude, but, <laughs> but it's just to give an example. Uh, and so, so from, from the user research they presented with, from the, which they understood in their heads what the users wanted, they then played and incorporated and felt in their body uh, what users were living as a situation when um, faced with the particular challenge or problem we wanted want to solve, and then from the head and from the mind and the body, you can then like that sparks creativity, and you can then start putting down ideas um, on post-its, uh, and then we move into the defining phase where we kind of from all of these wonderful ideas, we start kind of narrowing down which ones would be indeed useful, which ones would be aligned with the business needs and with what users really want. So this, um, the the part where they've done the role play in front of everybody, yeah. uh, is it, do you instruct everyone who is watching to then start thinking of potential solutions or do you wait until the role play is over and then the group that's done the role play, you tell them to go away and think of some ideas? Oh no, basically what happens is everyone does their role playing and then individually each person, uh, because a lot about the design sprint is about alternating individual and collective creativity to avoid groupthink. Um, so like, just like the regular design sprint on that behalf, it's, it's the same principle. Um, and so uh, they then go back individually after all the role plays being done and they have a few minutes to kind of come up with ideas. And then we fine tune those ideas by voting. So they then collectively vote, they, they read each other's ideas, not commenting, just reading. And then they vote on the ideas that they think are the best answer or solution to the question of the problem that or the challenge that we had defined uh, beforehand. Um, once they've done the voting, um, what we then do, and this is a particular thing for the voice design sprint, and I'm going to talk a bit about data now, is um, they put this in a voice application canvas that I designed, and the voice application canvas has three uh, parts to it. So the first part is five, five ideas, five use cases that they uh, voted upon. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the voting, they have five. 
they have they can keep five i'm a, a generous person they don't have to throw all their ideas in the bin um but they put that in the first part the first column of the canvas the second column in the canvas is about all about what questions are people actually asking overall at, on interfaces on the phone on the web on mobile about the brand uh, and so i say this is a bit of data because for this bit you'll probably need a data analyst who does web scraping on questions that our people are asking about the brand you can use things like answer the public uh quora kaggle and then your da- your favorite data analyst will analyze all of that uh put it in a very nice data visualization <laughs> framework and give you the exact uh, top five questions people are asking about this or this brand is that uh, like something you would instruct them to do before the workshop to bring that along with them kind of thing uh basically but it depends but most of the time this is something that i do as preparatory to the to the session i work with a data analyst and uh, uh, a data analyst that does that for me uh, and we also, before the workshop, see what data they already have as a company, as a brand, uh, that we can then use for the data analysis. Mm, okay. And so basically, the third part is very logically, we look at the questions that we think we want to have on the voice application and want to answer we compare it to the questions users are actually asking. So there we have some quantitative and some qualitative data because we've done some user interviews as part of the user research we do before starting Sprint. We compare those two and then we go forward in the Sprint with the questions that are actually aligned, that are both from the project team and asked by users and sometimes none of them align and then we have a bit of problem but then it's all about having the conversation which is not always easy but having the conversation of saying okay for this voice design sprint for this experiment that you're going to running if you want to start small because i think that's important to start small and do things correctly in a small scale rather than wanting to do a voice skill with all the data and all the APIs that you could possibly find. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sm- start small, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with something you feel strongly about? Or do you want to start with something that questions that people are actually perhaps going to ask the assistant? Mm-hmm. And as we all know, discoverability is a huge challenge. Uh, and I think answering questions that people are actually having is probably a good way to go in my opinion Mm. anyways um and so uh, that's how we define the ideal uh voice application idea use case uh that we want to move forward with uh for the next bits of the define part the defining part of the sprint so the sprint has four parts basically the first it's it's like it's like um well, actually six parts. It's like this triple diamond for mm. the regular design sprint mm. framework. And uh, this is a design uh, like design sprint known pattern. So triple diamond, uh, which starts with understanding, then defining, 
than sketching for the regular design sprint, but this is now speaking for the voice design sprint, deciding, prototyping, validating. So um, when next part of the defining bit is all about finding the right tone of voice. So you now have found your super duper use case. Uh, so, but and you know, like you know what the users are going to ask, and you kind of started thinking about what it, the conversational experience or use case is going to be, but you don't know yet how this this voice application will talk to people, and that's all about the finding the right tone of voice and it's kind of the same thing as with the use case uh with the use cases so what happens is there is a tone of voice uh canvas um and uh, for the tone of voice canvas what happens so um i do an exercise that is called tone sorting it's card sorting with tones of voices okay. basically in a nutshell uh, I designed all of these cards um, with tones of voices on them, with examples of sentences of vocabulary that tie into that tone of voice. Um, and uh, people are giving this pile of different tones of voices, about, there are 25 in total, and they have to sort with, which one they find are important to their brand, matches their brand image. Uh, and they have to do make a yes pile, no pile, and in the yes pile they can only end up with four principal tones of voices that they want to use. Um, and then we second part of the canvas again uh, is all about how people are feeling, what people's opinions are. So not the questions they are asked, but what their opinions and their emotions about the brand uh, are. And then we look in the third part if these two are aligned. And some of the time they are not. There was this one use case I was working on where the brand wanted to have a very pump it up, dynamic, let's go, funny um, tone of voice. And the data uh, and analysis showed that, and sentiment analysis uh, showed also that people were not feeling very good about, in this case, it was about customer relationship, were not feeling very good about customer relationship. They had a rather poor opinion. Uh, and so what happened What happened was, is, we said, is that all together, uh, at the project team said, well, we can't go with the whole pump it up, funny, yes, let's go thing, because it's too far away from how people are actually feeling. It's like when you really are unhappy with someone and they come start jumping about and being all enthusiastic. Mm. It's, it's too far away. Uh, and so we went with a more um, caring, uh, a more empathic uh, tone of voice. And then deciding that in six months we would analyze how the overall feeling and how your overall opinions had evolved. And if then that, that metric had gone up, then we could, in a second time, evolve very towards this tone of voice. That was more like pump it up, happy, dynamic. Is this tone of voice canvas part of the, um, this, what do you call it? The, uh, what did you call it? The voice exit design. No, sorry, yeah, sorry. The, um, you said you have a voice, is it a voice application canvas you called it? 
Yes, it's the voice application. So it's kind part, of. It has part four, parts. is it this? It, the first part is the use case, and the second part is okay, the tone of voice. Sorry, Dustin, I cut you off there. What were you saying? No, no worries. I just wanted to make sure we've got a lot of different steps, and I want to make sure that we're able to conceptualize where we move from one to the other. And so, Mika, if I have this correctly, you're starting off with determining the use case, which is that union between uh, what we feel we can do and what questions people are actually answering. Is that right? Exactly. What okay. what people what what questions people are actually asking. Right. And then, so then the second step is to move into the tone of voice, yes. what we want to do and what people expect. How people are feeling about us. Right. Got it. So those are, those are the two steps. And then what's following after that? Well, following after that, uh, that's, that's the entire definition part, right? So um, we understood with our heads, with our body, what users wanted. We decided on a use case. We decided on a tone of voice. So we now know from this voice app um, what questions it's going to answer uh, and how it is going to answer it. But it still has to do it, really. So um, we then, what we then do, basically, uh, in the next step is all about speaking. Uh, this is where in a regular design sprint you would start sketching things, but um, in the in the voice design sprint it's all about having those conversations because you can't design a conversation without actually having it. I mean, you can, but a lot of the time, uh, because we're all just humans, um, if we write things down, if we do things like sample dialogues without really having those sample conversations, a lot of the time you will see that you default to written language, which is not at all the same thing as spoken language. Um, so, um, so basically what then happens is we start into the speaking exercises and the speaking exercises are, first of all, uh, about the onboarding, because as I said in the beginning, this is also about learning how to do, uh, all, learning by doing. Um, so at each step of the way for, for the speaking part, what we then do is uh, actually um, explain what a good onboarding would look like, uh, have people start writing up their own onboarding, and then doing some role play just with the onboardings. Like they, they just have the welcome prompts, they kind of tried out, and then we do role play to see, okay, from the onboarding that you just kind of did, um, what would happen? What will your user actually say here? Uh, and very often then we already get, there's already problems because we already get, oh, but that's not what I meant. Uh, or why, like, people ask in an onboarding, um, first time they, they kind of play around with it, like closed questions, only they expect people to answer with an actual open question answer. Um, I did this voice friends challenge yesterday evening, um, and the question was, do you already know for how many people you'll be cooking? And obviously, the idea behind it from the person that designed this particular onboarding was they're going to tell me how many people and the person that was the user in this role play said no <laughs> so so this does two things this does one it helps um 
the team, the project team nailed down an onboarding that will leverage um, a an answer that's uh, more or less expected because because oh, no matter how much we try to like predict all the possible answers, like people always say different things. <laughs> Um, but it helps them realize that it isn't that simple, that it isn't just about writing down one happy path and then there we go. Um, a lot of the time, uh, and, and I, we, we briefly talked about this pain at some point, a lot of the time the conversation that actually, actually go on are more far away from the happy path than what we would mm. expect. Um, so, so yeah, and so it's about the onboarding first with a lot of role play to really like nail it down. Also opening the eyes of people on the fact that for one particular question of the system, users can have a whole set of different answers, which you then need to tailor for. Um, so that is, so that is so that then is so that's another thing that they'll do on their own. You'll have everyone on their own write kind of an onboarding kind of intro yeah. to the experience, and then what do they do it in pairs? Role play in pairs? Do they do it in groups? Well, the role play they we do it in front of the group. Basically, we pick a few persons that uh, kind of do their onboardings, and then what happened? That's what we done do to pick the most appropriate onboarding is that we do a gallery. So a gallery, what is a gallery? Each person kind of puts their onboarding on the wall. Uh, everyone goes around and reads the different onboardings. Most of them, it depends the, how large the group of, is, but if you have a group of eight people, which is about the ideal size for a voice science print, um, then we will have seen most of these in role play. Uh, and then they they vote for which one they find the most appropriate, and that's the one we then move forward with for the next uh, exercises. And so the next exercises uh, is about mapping the intents and kind of mapping out the entire conversational logic, which I have cards for. They kind of get cards and they can write on them, and the, then they map out the entire conversational logic. Uh, and then we do another set of role plays. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of role play uh, in the voice design sprint, and that's on purpose because I truly believe that you can't design a conversation without having it. Um, and so um, then at the end of the day, the goal really is to have a conversational log logic, good and ready, where everyone agrees upon. So it's quite intense, it's quite time-driven, uh, but that's the essence of the design sprint. As I said, uh, that's also the essence of the regular design sprint. Uh, that's how it's designed. Um, and then basically we're ready when, when we've done all of this nitty-gritty work. Uh, then we uh, move on to the decision phase, and the decision phase is all about functionality about making sure that we have the necessary APIs, um, that we have the technical capability and that we take into account technical constraints and sometimes reiterating a bit on that logic that we initially thought about. Um, 
it's then uh, also about deciding the type and uh, the fidelity degree of prototype that we will be using for the user tests, uh, which is the last part of the sprint. Um, because as you as you probably know, you can go as low-fi and high-fi uh, in prototyping for voice as you want. You can go as low-fi as actually having someone play uh, the assistant and, and having the user interact uh, behind the screen and doing wizard diverse testing, you can use voice prototyping tools like Adobe XD, Tor2, VoiceFlow, um, and you can actually start already building a thing if you have a very speedy and motivated developer on the project team. And um, so in the decision phase, you kind of decide on what, what are you going to prototype and, and what will be for later development work. Um, and and you also decide on what you are going to test. What are the hypotheses from the thing you designed with the project team that you want to validate or invalidate uh, during the user test? Uh, and then the very final bit uh, is actually the final step is doing those user tests and finding out that what you've designed during the voice design sprint makes sense or not at all uh hopefully and luckily in almost all of the cases it does make sense but in almost all of the cases there is a bit of iteration to be done um uh, the voice design sprint is all about getting a testable prototype validated at the end of the sprint so that you then can get a go or no go for a project and it totally uh, changes the game because you won't be investing months and months of development or, or, or weeks or months of development work uh, and design work into a voice app that nobody wants or is not seen as useful or doesn't leverage trust. Um, and so when you have this validated idea, then you can start iterating, then you can start uh, saying, okay, this is how much time the development will take. It makes sense. This voice product, we have good feedback from the users we tested it with. Um, we have a few things to arrange. We have a few things to kind of work out, but we know where we're going. It's not this blurry, let's do a thing with voice that you started out with at the very beginning of the voice design sprint. Mm. And then just skipping back one step to the the bit where you said that you map out the conversational logic and you've got cards mm -hmm. for this, is that you will go through the process of literally fleshing out an entire piece of the interaction, the various to and flowing and stuff like that? Are you, are you, are you talking, because you mentioned things like intents and stuff, are you getting down to the, the specific level of, for this interaction to work, we need these intents with these slots, or are you at the higher level of saying, let's just script something that is a, a basic back and forth to just to get this kind of piece of the conversation done? No, no. What we do in voice sprint challenges, voice sprint challenges is where I, that's kind of the workshop I do in two hours and a half, which is totally crazy. <laughs> That's then we in, in those kind of workshops and exercises where it's all about learning what the voice design sprint is about. Um, there, it's just scripting a conversation and then role playing it. 
However, in the actual Boeing design sprint, where you really go through all the steps and you really go through the different days, um, there we actually map out every intent possible and the logic. Uh, we don't go, we don't narrow it down to slots um, because that's then some. That's then we're going beyond the prototyping idea of the voice design sprint. Uh, but we do go uh, down to the intents that are needed for it to work as a conversational logic. Interesting. And to make sure that we cover as much array as possible. Yeah. And then the, you said the aim is at the end of it to get a validated prototype. So you would actually do the prototyping and the usability testing of that prototype within this sprint as well, would you? Yes, exactly. And and that's the I, I think that's the biggest force of this framework. It's it was the very force of the, the Jake Knapp's design sprint and is the biggest benefit for the voice design sprint, particularly because it is still a lot of the time in R and D departments, innovation departments, it's um looked upon as an innovation project. Uh, and not per se a digital product yet. Um, and so it's really, really important to be able to validate very quickly um, that it is or is not making sense to the users. Uh, and if you do the usability upfront, uh, if you do the testing, if you do this prototype, you have a pretty good idea. And as I said, the voice prototyping tools are really good um, and allow you to do exactly that. And what is great with conversation is that you can do something just as simple as just having the conversation with users behind the screen uh, if you really don't have the time or the necessary resources to invest. Um, but we also do in those different steps in those different days of a voice design sprint we totally have the time because the prototyping is actually an entire day as worth of work and then we kind of see if it's the the project team as a whole uh that does that um and some of the time it's it's that especially if they want to learn how to do it that's what happens if they don't if they don't want to really learn how to do it if they just want to get the results because we don't want to block everyone's time. It's really hard for people to kind of block our entire days. Uh, then uh, we take that upon us to to do the prototyping based on everything that we mapped out and decided together in the first two steps. And how long does this take usually? What's what's the ideal length of time for this sprint? Is it similar similar to Google in that it should be a five day? Oh no, it's not at all a five day uh, sprint. So basically what it is, uh, I say not at all, but it's not much shorter. Uh, so basically the voice design sprint in an ideal world um, would take four days. Um, and that's how I've done uh, uh, them up till now. Um, however, the time investment is, is sometimes difficult for the companies uh, because it blocks out time, but the results are so amazing. Um, that it's definitely worth it because what I always say is what is blocking four days of time compared to months of wasted development if you find out 
at the end that the entire thing has mm -hmm. to be done over again. Um, but because of that, that's why I told you uh, it can be either with uh, the company if they want to learn about the prototyping, but um, most of the time when they don't have the time to block out four days, what happens is we do two days of intense work together and then the prototyping and the user testing um, I take upon myself. Uh, and then we just see each other again to kind of do the go, no go, the roadmap at, uh, and, and the, like, and that, like the, the report on the usability, on the user testing. Uh, and so basically, uh, when we do the roadmap, what's really funny to see is that the project team has gone from the initial idea that was, we want to do this thing with voice, but we have no clue what this thing is all about. Two, we have a roadmap, we have a plan, we know how to move forward with this. And that's the that's the thing I think that most most people are struggling with is that we think we kind of want to do something. We know that it's going to be important, but we have no idea what, and we don't have any idea where to start. So that seems to be the exact problem that that this is solving. Yeah. Well, that, that was the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Justin, any other thoughts on that? No, no. I think we, we went pretty in-depth, and I think hopefully this helps people devise at least a starting point for voice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although um, I would say that um, uh, the voice design sprint can actually also be used uh, for people that already have a voice uh, product but they kind of feel it's not quite up to what it's supposed to be. Uh, I had uh, I worked with a company that was actually the case and we did a voice design sprint and it turned out um, we tailored the exercises so we made it less about learning about voice technology because obviously they already had quite some knowledge there. Um, and we made it more about optimizing uh, the conversational logic uh, and then at the end of the, the four days that we were together, they totally threw around uh, their initial thinking and roadmap about um, what they were going to do with their voice app. So that was pretty amazing as well. Uh, and, I, and I must say, for me, what I find um, that are the key elements uh, in the voice design sprint is the team alignment you get in that amount of time around a new technology, a new interface that kind of scares them uh, is, is just amazing and mind-blowing. It warms my heart every time because I'm a bit of an emotional person. Uh, and um, the, the user-tested and validated prototype, definitely uh, something uh, very valuable as well. And then... Uh, the third, I would say, um, thing I feel very strongly about with the voice assignment is the fact that it takes, it puts the user in the center of everything. It's, it's about what the brand wants, but it's also about putting it against quantitative and qualitative data and user research and feeling the user at the same time. like. Having the research, having the facts, having the knowledge, 
in your mind and feeling it in your body, having the empathy, that are very strong things to make, I think, meaningful voice experiences. Well, Micah, this has been an absolute pleasure. I think that that is... Yeah, that is absolutely unbelievable. I'm sure that plenty of people will take a hell of a lot from this. If people want to either get in contact with you to have you come and run one of these workshops with them or just to follow what you're doing and, and carry on learning from the content that you put out there, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I spend a lot of my time sharing content on LinkedIn uh, because, uh, well, it's it's basically where I live, social media wise. Um, so, so that's one of one of the ways they can get in touch with me, um, and I gladly share uh, and answer any questions that people have. Um, and uh, yeah, and they can also check out uh, www.voicedesignsprint.com. Well, we'll stick that link in the show notes as well as some of the other things that we've been talking about over the over the discussion, which was the link to your previous podcast that we did uh, back in June 2018. Can't believe it was that long ago. That'll be there. The book, <laughs> the sprint yeah. book by Jake Knapp. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put some links to Grice's Maxims yeah. and the Triple Diamond of Design information as well. Any other resources that you would point people to to, to learn a bit more about this stuff? Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, you can also link um, an, an article I did on LinkedIn about the Voice Design Sprint Framework. And then they obviously, well, Jake Knapp's book, that's great. Uh, and and that's about it, I think. Micah, it's been a pleasure as always. We'll have to, maybe it's not leave it as long next time. Maybe we'll do it in, in another 12 months time. We won't leave it quite as long as that. But thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wicked. Thanks very much. It's been great uh, being back. Uh, absolute pleasure. I have still so many things to say about voice <laughs> UX. I mean, <laughs> God well, we'll have to schedule a second time then. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. That was Micah Coppins talking you through a design sprint for voice. Thank you, Micah. That was that was pretty enlightening. I've, I've run a number of workshops, countless workshops, in fact, going through a similar kind of concept and trying to take people from zero to concept or prototype or from nothing to having an understanding of a valid use case. Um, but I've never really tried quite as in-depth practical exercises as that. Uh, I, I love the amount of role play. I love how she's kind of making people really get into the mind of the customer and really kind of like making people and trying to help people understand the limitations of the technology and what it's good for. Um, and ultimately just, yeah, just trying to put your mind into the customer and act out the kind of situations that a customer or user might be in. It's really, really refreshing. I think the best line of this whole conversation that you should certainly take home with you and remember if you don't remember anything else Micah's line of saying that you can't design conversations without having them absolutely perfect thank you Micah for joining us and sharing your infinite wisdom thank you Dustin as always and as always ladies and gentlemen thank you all for listening until next time see you later